Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Welcome back to Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. I'm your host, Chris Riley, and we're talking with Peter Taglianetti of the NHL. So when you transition out from your retire, um, I wanted to touch with you. You wind up coaching at one point in hockey. You go to Washington and Jefferson University. Yeah. What was that like for you to transition to a coach from a player? It's not um, big. It's not a big time program. No, but you're still no. you're still you're still coaching kids. You know, or young men in college. And um, well, I did the broadcast for five years, and then I, then I got into private, and so it was part of my <laughs> private business. I get into the coaching thing. They they asked if it, it, Washington Jefferson is a very very elite, very very elite school. I mean, it's re- I mean like unbelievable, and it's just in this little area in Pittsburgh called Washington, PA. Um, there's only like like two thousand students in it. And there was a lot of kids, they had a club hockey team and they asked me if I'd coach. And I said, yeah, I'd coach. And it's, it, it's very hard when these kids are paying, you know, $65,000 a year to go to school and have to pay for their hockey program because the school, school wouldn't give us any money. So they, they're basically raising funds and doing all these things. Yeah. And it's just really hard because you don't have numbers. You can't go recruit anybody because a lot of people don't have that kind of money to go to school, even though there's financial aid available, blah, but this, the grades have to be told like the other, like a lot of doc, they get a, a lot of the guys are doctors or heads of accounting firms. Now they're, they're just very, very smart. And it was just hard to uh, um, compete against like the URIs of the world who was, was a very, they had a very, very good uh, club team. Yes. But they have, they have 40 kids, you know, they, they have 40 kids who are from the New England area. All, you know, all can play. And so it was very hard. And we have basically have, 14 guys that can really play and maybe five other guys are kind of filling a roster spot. Um, it was hard. And it, it was hard because I was trying to instill in them some of those aspects that I got from Lou. Yes. Pros and whatever. And, uh, you know, and you don't have to run around like an idiot. You don't have to, you know, like jab somebody. You don't have to like yep at them all the time. And if you score a goal, just walk away, you know, no big deal. And, um, so it, 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 the first little bit was kind of hard cause they all wanted to jump and round and, you know, and do these things and, and they got it. And, and some of the nicest, nicest kids in the world, we had a really good team. And then all of a sudden, um, had like four kids blow their knees out. And that was pretty much the end of the, end of the program. Cause we couldn't compete with anybody else. These are, these are some of the better kids, like the better kids, best kids on the team. All of a sudden, you know, we didn't have, we basically had two lines after that. And it was just kind of hard. And, and then business got in the way. So I had to, had to stop doing that kind of yeah. stuff. But What was the best coach you ever had in, in, you know, outside of like every, like just who was the best coach that you had in the NHL, you know, college, you know, you had Lou, but who just, was the just best hockey coach? wise, just hockey, just, wise? just hockey wise. Yeah. Who was the best coach you ever had? Well, I, I have to give Lou the nod because he, and he, he, gave me the foundation that I, that, that you need. Um, and um, so I have to give him cause he, he's the one who got me where it was. Uh, and then I, I tell you, Bob, Bob Johnson was um, uh, something way different, way different than any, any other sport that I ever had, even baseball. I had a great coach in baseball um, who taught me to think, Every, every time the ball is hit, you got to know five different things are going to happen type thing. He taught me that, that anticipation thing. Um, his name was Peter Alex and, and, um, uh, and, and, and 
between him, Lou, and Bob. Uh, Lou's the game of the foundation. Bob gave me the confidence that I was that it's not going to. I don't have to worry about anything, even though I was five years in the league at the time. Uh, but I never had a coach like that, and, and then uh, my baseball coach. So I, I think I took a little bit of everything, you know, out of all of them. But I, I have to give Lou the nod because it was the the gave me that foundation. Let's transition now to your boys who yep. played football. Um, did they want to play hockey? Your boys, or they want to play football when they were growing up? Um, well, so in '91. Patrick, my oldest, was uh, going on four, and my first set of twins was uh, they were going. They were two. So as as this progressed, when they got in, you know, they got eight eight years old or so. Uh, they all played. They also they were on the ice when they they all skated when they were like three four years old. Um, but then when they got into the youth sports, um, because hockey was just starting to boom, there wasn't a lot of ice rinks and, in Western PA. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so. Uh, for them to be on a team, they would have to, where we live, travel like 35, 45 minutes away to an ice rink, play on a team there. And to be competitive, you had to play on their travel team, which meant you had to travel to Buffalo, Erie, <laughs> Cleveland, Detroit, and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, so they played them all. They played football, basketball, and baseball. Um, and they played hockey. They did play hockey. There was, there, there was some club teams that they played on. Um, and I gave him the choice. I said, you're doing something. I, I don't, I don't care what it is, but you're doing something. You're not just sitting around. So figure it out and we'll go from there. So if you want to play hockey, we'll play hockey. And they say, well, we want to stay with our friends. And they said, fine with me. So that's what they did. They, they little league, like the little league and then the basketball, little Hooper programs and then uh, um, uh, football and, and all that kind of stuff. So they did all that. And then as they got older, um, they got into middle school and they, they dropped um, baseball when they got to middle school, but they stayed stuck with football and um, basketball. And then uh, the high school started a club team. So, but they allow middle school kids to play on the club high school team. So all the boys played on that, on the high school team and when they were in middle school and they loved it and all their friends played and stuff like that. And they did basically did it for that. But then once they got to high school, they stopped playing hockey. Uh, they, they played a few times here and there, but they totally stuck to football. And then that's how it is. But yeah, I, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna pigeonhole them into one sport. Um, they weren't gonna just uh, sit around and not do anything. So you're gonna play them all. It's just a matter of which ones you pick, and and that's what it was. When they were coming up playing youth sports, did they come to you and ask you, "Hey, Dad, how did you handle these situations when you were my age, or you know, you were a professional athlete, you won a champion, you won championships?" Did they come to you for that kind of advice? Like if a coach was, you know not really giving them what they wanted or did you kind of like, you know, talk to them or were you just, or were you just dad? I'll say this. I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, what this is. So when I was doing the broadcast, I bring the kids to the games, I get them in their seats, go do the broadcast and their seats. I got them seats near the locker room. So if they have to go to the bathroom, they can just go down the locker room between like during the game and, you know, yep. the, the trainers knew all, you know, whatever it is. And, and so they would bring friends every now and again, and they'd bring them down the locker room after the game and I come down and whatever it was. And, you know, they, they go to school the next day and, and there's a buzz in the air and, and they come home and they go, is it a big deal that we're in the locker room? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, because they're like, they're talking to Mario. They're over there talking to Yager. They're, they're doing all these things. And, and all their friends are like an awe going like, what the hell? You know, they're, they're just walking around like they own the place. And they, um, but, but they didn't, 
to this day, I mean, they, they know I played and they, they're pretty respectful of the fact, but um, they, they, there was nothing like that. I never, never told them that, Hey, listen, I played professional sports. You got to listen to me type thing. I try to teach him, teach them that, Hey, learn to play the outfield, learn to catch, you know, the little nuances of the game, you, you score a goal, just run back and get ready, get ready for, you know, the kickoff from soccer, whatever it is, just don't, don't, you know, whatever it is. And I think I, I, I that's what I try to put in and to do these things. So my son, Andrew, who, uh, who was the captain of the Pitt football team. Um, I, think he, I think he has seven block punts. And he'd block a punt, and the whole team is, you know, jumping around doing stuff, and he just runs off the field. They, All right, well. Yep. Right, block right, the punt. Right. That's going on, yeah. yeah you know, whatever. And that, but that's – I don't show any emotion. Just go do your stuff. and Because and, and, you, you start getting too hyped up or whatever, you, you lose focus. And I try to teach them those things. They just be cerebral in everything you do and you practice and you, you don't have to think about it anymore. And those are the things I did. And I, I never really, but I was a big stickler of their grades. If, you know, they acted up in school, you were not playing. I don't give a, I don't, I don't give a crap. You know, you're in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I made up, maybe I made my, uh, Andrew's twin brother, John, he was their, uh, the best basketball player on their uh, eighth grade basketball team. And uh, in a playoff game, I got a call from the teacher that he acted up in class. Sit him on the bench. He screwed. He screwed it up for everybody else. Yeah. And I got parents yelling at me. Put him in the game. I said, no. <laughs> he, he, he knew the, he knew before he did all this stuff that he was there was consequences. And and so then that was just some of the things that they needed to do. I didn't. I mean, I I, I honest to this day, uh, when it comes to football, we had a strength coach for the Penguins named John Weldy, who played football at Penn State. And he would call me and say, hey, Andrew's, Andrew's in the nickel. He's playing the nickel. And I was like, ah. He goes, you have no idea what that means, do you? They were doing something they liked, and, you know, and I was able to see him play. When you saw them playing in high school, <clears throat> excuse me, did you think you'd, they would be going off to play in college? Were they um, getting any looks or were they getting anything like interest from schools? Yeah. So my, uh, my oldest son, Patrick, was, a, was big. I mean, he was big. He was probably 200 and 35 pounds, 6'2", 235. And then he could have went and played. He, he wasn't going to go D1 or anything like that, but he could have went and played at a small school somewhere. And the coach made him hate the game. Didn't want to, I don't want to play anymore. It's horrible. I, it, coach made him hate it. So the youngest set of, the first set of tunes we sent to a private Catholic school um, that uh, no nonsense, really no nonsense. And um, they really developed into something way better, way better than it would have at the other place. John didn't like it, didn't like the discipline, all that stuff. So he actually went back to his the public school and, and, but he had a chance to go play some college ball and he didn't know what he wanted to do. And Andrew got scholarship offers where he was. And, um, and then John decided he wanted to play football. And so he went to Pitt as well. And he was a linebacker and then he hurt his back. So he shut him down. So you're way too young to have a back problem. He's the head. He's the head equipment manager for the Penguins now. John is, and um, my youngest son Lewis uh, was the captain of the Bucknell football team. So they're, so yeah, they, they, it was just uh, they wanted him to do something. If they could go play farther and help, you know, get their college paid for, great. But there was nothing that I was aiming for other than to have them experience it all. Well, it was was it, was the recruitment process different for them? And you kind of probably knew it a little bit because you went through it. We able to guide them in that, like, hey, look at this school for this. Look at this school for that. Don't look at this school just because of this. Well, when so Andrew was getting recruited, a whole bunch of schools. Like he was down in Louisville, 
And he calls me, he says, dad, you know, but you know, this, and I said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And I'm trying to explain to him. So there's forks in the road every, all the time. You have to, if you go one way, then there's going to be another fork, get it figured out. He's talking about it. I said, Andrew, you know what? He goes, but what if, you know, I never come home. I said, Andrew, more than likely, whatever school you go to, that's away from Western Pennsylvania, you're probably going to meet a girl from somewhere else and you're probably going to settle down somewhere else. So it's just all these things. You don't have to worry about it now, but this is all these things that happen that goes on. And, um, and so as, as we were talking and then Dave Wanstat was the coach of, uh, the Panthers at the pit at the time. And so he would call, like he, we, he'd come over, he'd stop by and, 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 and I'd say, Dave, listen, I, I, this is not, this is about Andrew or, you know, and John and stuff like that. It's nothing about me. So you don't have to, cause I knew, I knew Wani, I, I knew him anyways. And I said, I'm not that parent. You don't have to come talk to me. You talk to them and whatever it is. And then, and every time I would go to a practice or something, you know, to see him because I, I was working at the time, I could go to practice a lot and see him. And uh, um, Dave would come up and want to talk to me. I said, Dave, I, I'm, there's a plenty, all these other parents want to want you to talk to them. You don't have to talk. I'm, I'm just here to see the kids. I'm not that type of parent. You'll never hear from me, that type of thing. But we were friends anyway, that type. And uh, but, but when they were getting recruited, I said, these are decisions you have to make. I can tell you what's a good school, what's a bad, what, I mean, they're all good schools, but you know, what's a good school, what's a good fit, you know, you know, what do you, what, what do you want to do type thing? And we'll work it out from there. And so, um, Andrew, um, he was a, a Western Pennsylvania player of the year, all state, won the state championship, all these things. You know, he was a shutdown. I mean, he, he was unbelievable. Anyway, um, once that says, Hey, listen, we want to bring him in, but we want to gray shirt him. And I said, all right, I don't even know what great, what is that? I don't even know. Which I've never heard that, that term. Yeah, he's, so at the beginning of the year, he'll be enrolled in school. I have to pay for it. And then he starts in December on a scholarship. So he's actually in the following year's class, that type thing. And then you know, I said, all right, whatever. It's up to Andrew what he wants to do. And, and uh, so he gets into, um, uh, right before camp starts, they called and say, hey, we're going, to, we're going to put him on full – we're not even going to grace you. I'm going to put him on full scholarship, that type thing. And I said, okay. All right. I tell him. I, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> you know? And um, so they go to camp. And out of the blue, he calls me. He says, Pete, I, uh, we're planning on redshirting Andrew. I can't redshirt him. i got to play him right away. He's our, he's our best um, special teams player. And so – he, he went from gray shirt to red shirt to starter. And yeah, it was just, it was just crazy. It's just that being in the right place at the right time. And, and that he found that niche that he was able to exploit and he, he exploded on it. And, and then um, John got, John played his freshman year and then he got hurt his sophomore year. And then Lewis went to Bucknell and um, he was a safety as well. And uh, he, yeah, he's tremendous. I mean, they're, they're, they're really a lot of fun watching him play. It was, it was actually kind of nerve wracking because you, you can't help him at all, you know, that type thing. But other than that, it was like, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Just that, that proud father type moments. Just sit back and relax and enjoy. So yeah, yeah. I want to talk for a few minutes here about youth sports today. Um, and you've been through it with your kids. Do you think kids today are just way overcoached? Yeah. Yeah. What would you change to stop all that? Just to, to bring it back, to get a little bit more normalized from when you see what goes on today. How would you give it back to the kids and take it away from the parents more? Well, ideally, and, and coaching is a thankless job. I mean, it's a thankless, thankless job. And you need people to 
to at least get the ball rolling on a coat, you know, like a, you little kids and whatever. But at some point, they have to find people who are willing to spend time whose kid is whose kid is not on the team to be the coach. And you have to get the parents out of the equation. Um, I, I, I the, the problem is society right now. You, you you won't let your kid hop on a bike to, to pedal down to the ballpark and sit there and wait for a bunch of kids to show up anymore. And then you have less and less of kids even want to go outside and play. They want to sit there with their computers and their games and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just that I, I think right now it's a parenting thing that uh, uh, all these kids and, you know, my wife's a physician and, and you can see uh, the obesity in, in the country is going on and kids obesity um, at this, from age, you know, seven to, to 14 or 15. And then they get to the point where they don't want to do anything. And it's so hard to, you know, undo that process, re reverse that process. And, uh, um, but I think a lot of parents, they, the parents are too involved. Um, they think they know the right, the, what's going on. And I'll give you a great example. When my kids were playing little league baseball and I, I mean, I grew up, I played, you know, I was supposed to play in college and I didn't, but, uh, so but they, they umpire, you want to umpire a tournament? Yeah, I'll umpire a tournament. And, and just uh, kind of just bore you the details real quick. Um, there was a kid on first and second. The ball gets hit to the second baseman. He steps on second base, throws the third. The third baseman just got his foot in the base and catches the ball. Okay. And the kid comes in and slides. He's safe because they took the, they took the, uh, the, the, the force off, right? So the kids, kids safe on, on third base. And I say he's safe. And these parents came at, came at the fence <laughs> swearing at me. Yeah. So swearing at me. Losing your mind. Hollering at me. Yeah. And I, I, I whistled and I said, shut up. Let me, and I, I, I land base on it. I said, let me explain the rules to you guys. You all think you know the rules? Well, I'm going to tell you the rules. And I went, I went to step-by-step -step process of why that kid was safe. And I said, if one more person says one more word to any of these kids over here, the team, I'm, I'm going to forfeit this game for the other team. I'm telling you, because I'm not putting up with any of this crap. I, anyways, and I just laid it, I laid the whole rule book on the line to them about what just happened. And they all just went, oh, and they all just sat down and they didn't say a word. And some of the parents came up after and said, you were the only person to ever explained that. Most empires <laughs> would have walked away. And I said, well, I, you're going to make them, if I don't stop you right now, you're going to keep making that mistake time and time again. And something's going to, I mean, and I, not that I really I give two craps about teaching anybody anything, but, um, but it was just like the, the parents have to stay out of it. If they don't know what's going on, they have to stay out of it. And that's why you see all these fights, these umpires getting hit and beat up and all that kind of stuff and parents fighting in the stands because they have no idea what's going on. And, and everybody thinks they can yip and yap and, and whatever. And it's just, it's sad right now because it's, it's, it totally takes away from the, the, the enjoyment for the kids. What should a parent look for in a sports program for their kids? What did you look for for your boys? Um, technique. It's not about the games. The games are a, a, a byproduct of the practice and learning the proper techniques of what you need to do. You, know, you go to hockey camps now and First thing you do is throw pucks on the ice. Well, how about skating? Is how do you how to use your edges? You yes. know how to use your edges. You know, or you know, you you go down. You watch these kids now. They got two hands on their stick, and they're you know they're chopping the puck up, stick handling with, with skating in a straight line. And I'm trying to explain to them. Hey, wait a minute, let's stop for a second. You ever see a sprinter? 
a sprinter doesn't go like this running down. He's in tight like his, this. His arm, yeah. You're making a beeline. Why the hell do you have two hands in your stick? But and and the problem I have now is is what I have with like like uh, USA hockey. They have these coaching clinics. And they bring people in and they talk about you got to have two hands in your stick all the time. I said why? You have you have if you have one hand in your stick, you, your wingspan is way bigger. If you have two hands in your stick, you're, you're like this, and you can't skate as fast straight ahead as if you have one hand in your stick. But they, they just have this mentality, and it's like, that's not how things work. And, 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 I, and, I, and I go to these coaching clinics, and I try to explain to them about, you know, anticipating things that are going to happen. But um, because of there, there are parents who want to coach, and don't get like I said before, it's a, it's a thankless job, who never played the game, but they go to these coaching clinics, and all these kids become robotic. They, they teach them systems where we grew up. We used to rent the ice as a bunch of, we used to have like 15 or 20 guys. We all threw like 10 bucks in and rented the ice for an hour. And that's where you, that's where you picked up your skills. You know, you had guys that weren't as, weren't as good and whatever. And you had to kind of do things and you had to, you had to angles off the boards and, and stuff like that, or pond hockey. That's where we, very rarely did you learn a skill while you're in practice practice. And a lot of these kids now are, um, uh, they're so robotic because these parents, that's the only thing they know. They, they don't want to teach them. And plus, when the kid's a little, little, like the six, seven or eight-year-olds, it's very hard to get kids to listen to you because as soon as you tell them something, you're going to go home and their parent's going to tell them something different. Yep. And yeah. That's the hard thing. I want to wrap it up. It's been amazing to talk to you. What was the best piece of advice that was ever given to you who gave it to you? And do you still use it today? I think I talked about it. It's, it's, um, you know, you, you hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So you're always prepared for whatever, whatever's coming your way. Um, um, it, the, the, the hard part is, and, and I, and it's funny, I, my wife gives me a hard time about this all the time. And when we first started dating, we were like, we go to some place, we're at, we're at a, at a function or, or we're sitting at a bar or whatever it was. And, and she just kind of came up and she said, you know, you, how come you always have your back against the wall? I said, because I'm, I'm hoping for the best, preparing for the worst, because I can sit here and scan the room and see somebody looking because they, they know who I, they knew who I was and I can see what's happening and I can always prepare for what's, what's going on, like exit route. I can get out of here. If something happens, like, you know, whatever it is. And yep. I always try to prepare same as in, in, in any of the sports. I'm always looking uh, what's the worst case scenario from right from this point on, what's the worst case scenario. And I kind of play it out in my head. And from there I can go, well, if that doesn't happen that way. I, so I always have three or four different moves. And that's something that, 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 that the advice I have is always prepare. If you're prepared, it doesn't matter what they throw. You might get stunned at first, but you can recover very quickly and you can kind of, you know, figure your way out of it. Um, and, yeah, and I think that's it. I think a lot of these, a lot of kids now are just so reactionary instead of thinking through the first initial reaction if something happens, you know, they panic and they, 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 they go all out and people's you know, like yelling and screaming. It's like, Whoa, slow down, slow down. What is, what just happened? Yeah. How can we get out of this thing? You know, let's do it that way. But, but then it's that repetition thing. Once you don't have to think anymore, once you, once you get it in your head and you practice it and you get it running through your head, it just comes natural after a while. So I think that was it just being prepared for everything that throws at you. What does failure in life teach you? Uh, failure in life. Uh, they teach, it teaches everything. 
Uh, well, first of all, it teaches what not to do again. <laughs> um, I think it just gives you maturity. I mean, it's something to fight for. I mean, you, you got to know, I get knocked down. I, I got to get up and I got to fight my way back through whatever it is I'm going through. Uh, you know, I, it, it just, the youth sports thing with the, everybody getting a trophy thing, nobody can fail. Nobody, you know, everybody's great. You know, blah, 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 blah. I, I, I mean, I see it now with these young kids who uh, work for me that have no, um, They don't know what an adversity hits them. Their first reaction is to panic and lash out. And you sit there and go, wait a minute, well, why are you lashing out? You know, they, 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 they say that they're screaming and hollering. I said, whoa, what's up now? What's the problem? Well, okay, give me 20, give me 20 minutes. I'll get, I'll get it fixed. You know, that type thing. Instead of like, they want instant, instant satisfaction, instant gratification. They, you know, oh my God, oh my God the world's blowing up. Well, all right. Stop. I can't stop the world from blowing up, but I can stop this little piece from happening. Let's, let's figure this thing out. And, they, and just they, they never were taught that, that, that life lesson of um, having to take a step back. It's not as bad as it seems. We can figure this thing out. And yeah, it's just, it's just, just, just these young kids now just don't have that innate ability to do that anymore. They weren't taught, they're not taught that. They're taught that everything they do is great. And it, it never, nothing ever bad is going to happen to them. Well, guess what? Guess what? Surprise, surprise. There's a lot of stuff that happens to you in your life, and you just got to figure it out. I want to thank you, Peter, for your time. Your insights were amazing. Great stories. I really appreciate your time coming on Inside the Game with us here, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. And anytime, you know, we left out some of the really good stories. So next time, maybe. We'll have you back again soon. That's Peter Taglin, a two-time Stanley Cup champ of the Pittsburgh Penguins, here on Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Inside the game brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR.